Talking to myself and feeling old Sometimes I'd like to quit Nothing ever seems to fit Hanging around Nothing to do but frown Rainy days and Mondays always get me drowned What I've got they used to call So yes, what were you finding out buying albums, Damien? So I was buying these guys' albums. So that's when I found out about what happened to them as I tried to buy the albums. So we we have more to talk about because here we are. We're going to be starting for the next four episodes or so. We're going to be discussing Todd Haynes' films and more specifically the early years of Todd Haynes. Like we've seen a lot of the later years, but we want to fill in the gaps. Right, and I wanted us to start at a point of of interest of mine that I've always wanted to watch, which is his bootleg movie Superstar: The Karen Carpenter Story, um, in which he told he made a short film telling the story of Karen Carpenter's career and her her um, dealing with anorexia and eventually her death in the seventies, um, and he did it by the use of Barbie dolls. This movie was never allowed to really be properly released it was literally passed around on videotapes from when it was created in 1988 throughout and you probably can only watch this like looking through youtube and finding a myriad of differing levels of video quality of this movie um so that's how i watched it in a shitty quality youtube video um of what i only assume was a vhs rip of this movie. Um, yeah, the version yeah. I saw had something down at the bottom that looked like it needed to be tracked a little bit. So yeah, I think this is VHS. Yep. <laughs> you know, so this is what we're going to show our children to remind them. We used to have to have tracking, right? Because they don't know what that's going to be on modern t- on TVs today. It's like, um, I, love, I love the story about the new Poltergeist movie where they had to try and wrap their heads around um the fact that people nowadays children in particular or young people don't know what what snow is on a television so they couldn't yep. use that scene <laughs> <sighs> so yes karen carpenter and barbie dolls um so i've heard him discuss this movie and it's it's interesting to watch this film in which for around the first 10 minutes you're like going crazy to be like who the shit is doing with Barbie dolls but then there's a point in time where I'm like I think this is what I would do if I was really pining to like make movies but I didn't have 10 friends and a set to like do crazy things I'd steal my sister's Barbies and see what I could make um and this movie's wild like I don't know if I'd call it good but this movie's wild right Todd Haynes is making dream sequences and nightmare moments with spankings of Barbie dolls. We're having the Ken doll just scream at this Karen Carpenter. And I don't know who he got to do the voice acting, but kudos to him because I found it kind of fascinating to see these, to hear these people and actually watch these dolls move and think like, oh, that kind of works. 
Like this is this is early Pixar work. Is what this is. <laughs> um, this is Toy Story point five, uh-huh. right? You know they were telling about Toy Story where they were they couldn't get the plasticky look out of the way. This is before that version. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but Damon, you've been dying to talk about this movie for like three weeks now. Yes, yes. Um, it's it's been a long time since there's been a movie that um, has me feeling two separate things at the same time. The last movie that did this to me was um, The Act of Killing, where it is, on the one hand, one of the most terrifying things that I've ever seen put to film. But on the other hand... It is one of the most fascinating things I've ever seen. This does basically the same thing. On the one hand, this is one of the most insensitive things that has ever been put to film. The fact that the family, when you ask the family said, absolutely not. That should have been the end of it. Right? This is not really his story to tell. And the fact that he had to, like, lawyers had to be called after he made this. (laughs) And people had to go back and tell him that you absolutely cannot do this thing because it is the craziest thing. That is on the one hand, right? Where... If this were my family, I would have killed this man. (laughs) The other side, unfortunately, is this is one of the most fascinating, literally awe-inspiring 40 minutes I've ever seen. I watched it. The first time I watched it, and of course, it's on its bootleg, so... When you saw it at first, you're just like, I don't know if this is the right thing. The first time I watched this thing, I had to had to do everything I could to not call you guys immediately and say, I don't care what we're talking about this week. We're scrapping that foolishness. I need to talk about this movie immediately. I had to fight off the urge. And I did so for a while, but then in the last podcast, I'm like, guys, listen to me. There's something coming up that is truly magical. And it is. It is so crazy that something like this exists. That he took the time, that he got voice actors, that he took the bits and pieces of the story that were in public and then used his brain to basically fill in the gaps. and had the confidence to put this out. It has the official music, which is also part of the reason this will never, ever, ever, ever say anything outside of the law part where he did this. And it is basically criminal, a criminal act to get this done. The fact that he put in all the official music in there, just, just the balls to get something like this done. And once you start watching it, 
like all of it fits together, which is the craziest part. Like I truly enjoyed watching this, but at the same time, I cannot get over the fact that the f like think about the family's reaction to hearing something like this done. And remember, this is only five years after she died. Exactly. It's not even. It's not even like it just came out today, and most of the people are like eighty. And right. say, well, hmm. yeah. Looking yeah. back now, we can see where no, like this is basic. Like this is as quickly as he could have gotten this done. He put this out, and it is like it is so crazy. But I can't. Like I cannot take my eyes off of this movie i've thought about this movie every day since i watched this movie it's so crazy it is it is the crazy one of the craziest things i've ever seen in my life um i'm so glad that i watched it though i can't believe this has been out for this long and with all of the bad places i've spent time on the internet no one on the internet um, ever went to your Damien. <laughs> you need to see this. But uh, this, let's call it a movie, chronicles the the rise and fall of the Carpenters. Um, and it it does so, as Andrew say, using dolls, because of course, uh, whether he couldn't get people to get it done, uh, if it was cost prohibitive or whatever it was, um, why he didn't use real people, but he used his dolls and uh, he spent the time, he animated them uh, as well as he could and then had the voices over top of it and took bits like interviews from the real world, took articles um, there was a book written shortly after she passed that he also took some material from, but uh, it is it is the one of the craziest things I've ever seen committed to film, and I I I I, I don't have the words to, to explain just how crazy uh, this movie is. All I'll tell uh, people is that uh, you like it, it needs to be seen. Us trying to describe what this movie is won't even come close to doing it justice. Uh, it is it is wild what is what is happening in this movie. Um, I don't know. I, I, I want to hear what you guys think uh, because I'm just rambling on at this point. Damien. Yes. I love this movie. <laughs> <laughs> so listen, um, I'm going to say a lot of things uh, about why I love this movie. You have pointed out that we should all hate this movie. Um, and that it was super insensitive. Yes. And um, also, we're not sure how much of it is true or not. Or there are certain right. things that are in here that, um, you know, 
we can't verify may not be the true. veracity that's of our, these of the movie. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Right. That's that that some people hmm. maybe don't want to be believed as true. Right. I'm going to take that hmm. that very sensitive and rational person I'm putting to the left. And say that, yeah. Anybody who is listening to the rest of this know that all I'm going to be talking about now is this thing as a media spectacle yes. um, that I was able to put my eyes on and sit the whole way through uh, multiple times. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's unfortunate if you don't like that. And if you don't, press stop now, please. Thank you very much. This movie is fucking amazing. Oh no. Okay, so there are a lot of things that we can talk about in this movie. This movie, as you say, is a movie made of dolls, right? Um, and I remember the first time I watched it, you turn it on and I had to stop it and be like, is, is this the right movie? Um, I actually fast forwarded it a little bit to make sure that it said, the title sequence specifically said this is superstar directed by todd haynes because yeah. i was like i know you're a crazy person but i've never seen you quite get this crazy um and at that point i say okay let's start over and watch it again i have watched that um first five minutes at least four times um this movie is a phenomenal piece of work. Um, so let's first talk about the dolls. I have I've actually done a little bit of reading up on, on it just because of the impression it made. I have not been able to find out what exactly whether there were any intentions behind it or not. But I like to think that the dolls was a specific choice he probably could have done it cheaper with people and i'm sure he has friends right i know he's a little weird he did he did this while he was in film school yeah that yeah. too that i did i did know um uh but i think it would be more expensive to do the doll thing like you you'd have to well you have to buy you could probably buy dolls and whatever but to make the sets and he made all of the sets and he scaled them and he spent a lot of time and and, and did a lot of work on it yeah, but so. i mean if you look at it how i look at it is he's pulling a parallel he's essentially showing right and it it starts with the first um the first set of of not credits, but but writing in the in the movie where it speaks to you know he's specifically going to explore um, the business the, the what f- f- femininity femininity has and the problems with that in in the the general show business and that's actually a parallel with this doll thing essentially. This is showing the commercialization and the objectification of these people and what they had to go through in their in their times. So actually, I, I wonder if that's a specific decision that he made. And um, what he does 
the visuals that he he does with with this i mean obviously we all saw shitty bootleg cuts i got something that was a little bit better like a hair better than what i could find on youtube because i found it elsewhere and actually put it on a box and watched it um but it was bad um but what he's able to do right with this is to even make it more let's call it ominous um Andrew, you spoke about the slapping. No, Damien, you, you're the only one I've sp- spoken about it so far properly. You spoke about the slapping of, of the Barbie doll's bottom um, in some of the, the intercuts. And that is something I still don't understand. I specifically have searched about what that would mean. <laughs> and yeah. all I've gotten is that apparently it it is a part of a general motif of his. He, It seems he does this in other movies. So it may be something that's more a him thing than a Karen Carpenter thing. I was wondering if, you know, it was supposed to represent some sort of um, something that some secret he's alluding to in either the family or Herb Alpert and, and um, that record um, deal or something. But man he has some some just ridiculous sequences in this movie um and the thing that i actually really like about this film there are obviously a couple of things that he let's say he invents them right um one of the bigger things i think being that he pretty much blatantly suggests that richard carpenter is gay um, but at the end of the day, this is really just a run of the mill story about a singer who, um, succumbs to the pitfalls of, uh, that we see in all of these kind of Hollywood movies and also specifically is a poster girl for, well, that's, that's not a good way to say it, but is, she was definitely the first, I think, big um, or, or, or spotlighted person um, for anorexia and, and a death from anorexia, right? Um, and this movie, if you were to take out the tone of it, if you were to take out some of the specifics, just a couple of the specifics of it, really is just that run-of-the-mill story. Um, there are some, the, the tone of it makes you always feel like there's going to be something more that comes, but generally not a lot more comes, right? There are some, some weird, um, viewpoints. Um, the fact that he's using dolls is something that takes you by surprise from, from day one. Um, and I think that's, what's really interesting about this movie is that he, constantly has you on the edge of your seat feeling like there's something that's coming that generally doesn't. Um, A couple of things that I really like about um, how he deals with this movie. So on top of the dolls and and what I think to be this whole commentary on commercialization and objectification, what he does specifically to Karen's doll as the movie goes on, he... Um, 
and it's hard to notice, but I did notice it and I looked looked it up and it does happen. Um, he deforms that doll um, as she gets more and more um, as the movie goes on, right? And as um, the, I guess, physical um, changes in real life would have shown um uh, he he tries to, to to i guess show that transformation or that deformation in in the doll and it gets weirder and weirder until until the end um i think it's interesting that he starts the movie with an actual live or or uh actual people right right um you see a shot of a real place from the point of view of um, of the mother. I'm trying to remember her name, but I can't right now. I think it's an A name. Um, as she um, finds Karen and you see a real person. These are all real people. You see her hand. You see somebody supposed to be, be playing Karen laying on the ground. Um, and then it goes straight into, into the doll thing. And right. it's interesting that they make that cut and they never really come back. It's, and maybe actually, maybe it also has something to do now with him delineating between the present and the past. Um, but there's a lot to deconstruct in this movie. Um, and this movie goes by, it is a short movie. It's not feature length. It's about 47 minutes long, but right. it goes by in a second. Um, and the last thing I really want to talk about, you've mentioned it before. Um, and I, I did some research on it. I love the story around this movie. Um, I love that this is essentially the Al Capone of movies because, so because Karen Carpenter is a public figure, you get a lot of leeway with what you can do, what you can make movies about without getting people's permission. Right. So there's a lot that Todd Haynes can do in movies and just refer to her and just say, this is her mm -hmm. story. It doesn't necessarily need to be approved by them. Right. And so I don't know, obviously he could have sued um, for the specific things, the things like, I don't know if they call it slander or libel about him being gay or, um, the way that I know a lot of people and weirdly I didn't see this right and you guys can tell me if I'm wrong and I just missed it but apparently a lot of people and I think the family as well thought that the family themselves and let's take Richard out of it because Richard was obviously portrayed negatively mm -hmm. um, but like the parents were portrayed um, in a negative way that they were like too smothering and right. I look at how they were portrayed and weirdly um, I think, oh, but that's how, that's how parents are. And that's actually not necessarily, maybe it's, maybe it could be a bad thing given where Karen is, but that's not necessarily them being bad people, you know, but apparently um, there's a, 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 a through line out there where they're like, oh, look at how bad the, the parents were to, to Karen in that movie. So maybe... I'm just not seeing it. But yeah, so there were a few of those kind of things that I suppose he could have made noise about, but I don't know if he would be successful. How he got this movie to not 
play anymore because it did play a number of um of festivals how we got this movie to to essentially disappear is that he sued them because they didn't ask for the rights for the the music right um uh, yeah, so it's literally, it's, it's like the Al Capone movies. They couldn't actually get him on the things I wanted to get him on. They're just like, all right, here's how I'm going to stop this. <laughs> Tax evasion, right? <laughs> um, <laughs> so they got him because they couldn't clear the rights to the, the songs. And I wonder if he thought about saying, what if I just release a version without the songs in there <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and see how that rolls? But clearly, he did not make that decision. But this movie is so interesting, and I never thought of it, but you're right. It is the same sort of feeling I get when I watch this movie. Maybe not as strongly, because it's more in your face, but it's it's very much akin to the Oppenheimer film. Um, it's... Whew. You, you you know it's it's a bad story, but you can't take your you can't take your eyes right. off of it. And I actually want to watch this movie again. Right? This is this is not something where I'm like, oh, one and done. Mm-mm. This is it's so engrossing, and it's also for me, and I think maybe for Andrew as well. Um, something that hits somewhat close to home in the sense that I knew most of the story already. Um, not because I had watched any of apparently the thousand movies about this woman or even that I was alive when it was happening because she died before a couple of months before I was born. Um, but Karen Carpenter and the Carpenters are my mother's, one of my mother's favorite people to listen to. I grew up listening to all of these songs over and over again and um, also kept hearing the story about how, you know, oh, it's so sad how she died from anorexia. And even the, um, and I guess this must have been something that was just put through the media and that's why it it got kicked back to me and Andrew. Even the specific thing about how, oh, um, somebody, some writer said once that she looked chubby and that, you know, um, right. open the gates, um, all of those things I knew already. And for you to be able to present all of these things that I knew in a format where not only do I say it's not bad or it's, it's acceptable, I am actively just down. I want to watch this thing. And, and I, I was upset when it was finished. I was like, is that all? There needs to be more. Where, where is the rest of it? If you, um, if you press play again, there's more. It just oh, keeps I did. going. Oh. I did. <laughs> I, I am just uh, amazed by the fever dream that this man presented to me. Um, yes, there are some serious uh, questions about what kind of person I am that I am I have nothing but but positive things to say about this movie and and smile when I think about it uh but ooh it's great Andrew what what pray tell do you think about this thing this is fascinating I have I did not expect this podcast 
Um, I mean, I heard Damien's enthusiasm for the last few weeks where I'm like, what the shit is he on? Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, this movie, I don't think grabbed me in the way lunacy that you guys have caught it on to this. Um, this was not the Suspiria I wanted. And I feel like you guys have found the Hausu in this movie. Oh um, I do find it. I do genuinely find like the the story structure and the story the the building of this using the doll scenario as just genuinely baffling and magical i talk about the spanking and it it frightens me as i watch those sequences i feel almost part of it is the version i watched was so downgraded that it kind of became blocky in some places where it became it became a fever dream of scenes. Most of this movie is a fever dream with dolls. I I particularly enjoyed whenever you'd see that he obviously switches to like him just filling, f- filming externals where he's trying to show you that, oh, they're in New York now. And like, you probably just got into a taxi and filmed outside of the taxi, filmed the taxi driving him for a while. Um, but oddly enough, I didn't think about Damien talking about the insensitivity of this. Because, and sorry if I'm the bad person for this, I'm used to people being made movies about, so I'm just kind of like, it's a movie. Um, But yeah, I mean, I knew about the legal battle. Um, I didn't know about the aspect of it to deal with um, the the brother being Mm -hmm. basically called gay throughout all this movie. I think the word you're looking Uh, for is homosexual. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, but no, but um, well, when you saw it, did you not get that impression? I did, but I didn't realize that was part of the legal battle. Yeah. I thought it was just the music they were getting them on. No, I think so. So I never saw anything that said specifically um, that he was upset about that. It said that he was upset about how the family was portrayed and then decided to to sue for the um the rights of the songs and it was obvious that that link was there i know i made it immediately mm-hmm. um but it's clear to me that he went to his lawyers and said guys how the fuck am i going to stop this movie from from existing because this man is impugning the honor of my sister which mm-hmm. by the way any fucking brother would do right yes and exactly. they said to him, there's they said to him there's no way that you're going to get them because they made fun of you. But did they mm-hmm. ask you to put their music in there? And he said, oh, no, they did not. And fuck them. I think that's what happened. Yeah, that's a, Probably. That's a pretty solid guess. Um, but, but yeah, this movie, and I mean, I have been a Todd Haynes lover and apologist for many years yes. this movie might be the wildest fucking shit I've seen Todd Haynes make not um, just Todd Haynes <laughs> not just Todd Haynes <laughs> I'm not, I think we can all agree yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think I was actually scratching my head watching this movie to see what was going on throughout it um, so yeah this movie is up there in being wild but I don't know if I like it <laughs> Well, Andrew, you're better people than me and Doug. Andrew Robinson, I cannot, I, I cannot overstate just how much 
I enjoyed this movie. I, wh- while watching it, I was angry at myself for enjoying this movie. Because, as I Andrew, if this were anybody in my life, I would have killed this man. <laughs> right? The end of this story would be, and this is how Todd Hayes was murdered. <laughs> but I can't. I cannot take my eyes off of this movie. I've never seen, I've never seen anything like this. I've, usually when people are making um, like unofficial movies about public figures, right? You see them like they go out of their way to get to get as many facts as they can so that they can point to those and go. These are the facts. Yes, we embellish some things, but these, these are the things that happened. And then we went on top of that. And, and, and. None of that is true for this movie. Todd Hayes heard uh, some, got some information, and then went, I'm making a movie about this. I don't need silly things like facts. I am moving on. <laughs> and what he did was something else. I, never in my life did I think I'd say anything like this. This is this is come of the craziest shit I've ever seen. <laughs> and I am I'm I'm now more afraid of Todd Hayes, but infinitely more intrigued by anything this man puts out. Like in I I wouldn't have thought that one movie could have taken somebody from he's okay to absolute luminary. This is the one movie that did, that did that. Damien, I assure you, right? <laughs> I didn't realize he could get this crazy. Yeah. But I have seen some early Todd Haynes, which is why when you watch a movie like Carol, I'm like, oh, that's not Todd Haynes. Yeah. That's yeah. <laughs> that's an old man trying to get into heaven. Right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> Precisely. So, so when we start to watch movies like Poison, oh, yeah. oh boy. Yeah. <laughs> We're going to enjoy ourselves. No, Douglas, <laughs> I want it like, I know that Todd Hayes is not all there. I'm well aware of that. I didn't know that it was, I didn't, no, Douglas, this is the first, this is basically the first thing he did. <laughs> which means his entire <laughs> yeah. career has just been people telling him not to do things. <laughs> every producer, every studio head just would have had to look at this and go, all right, listen, we're clearly going to give you money to do this, but you have to show us what you're making at all times. <laughs> we can't just leave you to make whatever you want because we've seen what you'll do <laughs> with that kind of power we cannot afford <laughs> the litigation <laughs> every crazy kickoff meeting you're like yeah. alright so here what we want right we were thinking of anything but that yeah no, no more Karen Carpenter bullshit <laughs> whatever comes in your mind we're letting you know up front we're not paying you for that. <laughs> and that is how you get Carol. 
As people looking oh. at this man and going, not that. Mm-mm. But they, I seriously don't understand how I love this movie so much. Um, and because it is a fever dream. It's one of those movies when I finished it the first time, I kind of... And, and that's why Andrew, I'm sure Andrew was a little bit confident. He's like, oh, Douglas didn't put on a hat. Um, when I, finished, I know you hide them for podcast movies. Actually, lately I've been not <laughs> hiding them. But the truth is, especially in the last, I would say, three or four goes, we haven't had any reason for hearts on our podcast <laughs> movies. <laughs> So, you know, it's been, um, as we've been hearing a lot lately, some false negatives, right? Um, but, but with this one, you know, when you get to the end of a movie, and um, I would compare it to like um, Kim Kiduk's, uh, what was it? Which one does it start with? Is it fall, winter, spring, and fall yeah. or something like that? Yeah. Um, where you kind of, you, you have to sit down and think about it, right? You watch it. And you are baffled by what you just saw. You right. know there's something special in there, but you're not sure whether um, you don't know what you think about it. Right. Like, and that is generally the sign of a great movie to me, where I have to be like, what, what the hell was that? And then you kind of think about it and, and go over. And then the fact that Andrew spent like an hour and a half on between Wikipedia and random um, internet boards, I mean, Jesus, um, to find out things about this movie, um, things about Karen Carpenter, who, by the way, I realized as much as she was a significant part of my childhood, I don't think I'd ever seen a picture of her before <laughs> watching this movie. Um, the The fact that I, I felt the urge to do that much research, to do that much homework, to find out and, and, and to, to swallow as much information about this, this thing that I, that had just graced my eyeballs right before, um, that tends to, <laughs> that tends to, um, point out something, <laughs> which is that it's, it's going to be, um, a movie that I have a very soft spot for in my heart for a lot. I think that might be it so far on our first outing of Todd Haynes. You have many things to tell us, Mr. Haynes. I'm Karen so, Carpenter was the first. I'm so excited. Oh, I'm so excited. <laughs>